The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss why mobile is still the first and most important screen. Joining us is Gabrielle Heyman, who is the head of global brand partnerships at Zenga, which is a global leader in interactive entertainment with a mission to connect the world through games. With a massive global reach in more than 175 countries and regions, Zenga has a diverse portfolio of popular game franchises that have been downloaded more than 4 billion times on mobile devices, and their list of games includes Farmville, Harry Potter, Words with Friends, and Zynga Poker. And today, Gabrielle and I are going to chat about what is inside the mobile gaming advertising industry. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Gabrielle Heyman, the head of Global Brand Partnerships at Zynga. Gabrielle, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I am excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So excited to have you here and welcome. Congratulations. I understand this is your first podcast. I know. It's exciting. It's my first podcast. <laughs> we will try to take it easy on you. So I'm going to start off at the top. Here's a softball. The marketers that are listening to the show are often in diverse crowds. Obviously, we understand that mobile is very important, but I don't think we think about mobile gaming as a marketing delivery vehicle, maybe as much as we should. And that's a rapidly changing industry. Let's just start off by talking about the lay of the land in the mobile gaming space. Talk to me about where we are today, where we've come from. Give me the lay of the land. I think it's important to even take a step back and look where entertainment consumption is right now. So there have been multiple studies done that show that Gen Z's preferred form of mass market entertainment is gaming. And even millennials, it might be like a 50-50 spread, gaming versus TV and movies. So really, the younger you get, the more likely you are to be gaming as your main source of entertainment. And so for any marketer to future-proof their ad spend, they need to be in this space. And it's important to note that what defines a gamer is not necessarily like a black and white answer, because a lot of the times you'll ask somebody, are you a gamer? And they say, no, because they're not playing console games. But in the meantime, they're playing mobile games every day. So we define that as a gamer, too. It's a pretty broad definition. 
So the combined factors of it being a preferred entertainment consumption habit for younger and younger generations with the fact that it's so broad and so many people are doing it so often, even boomers, it is this great platform that more and more brands are coming to. And then of course, the pandemic, when we were all stuck inside, the profile of gaming skyrocketed for marketers. You mentioned a couple words that I want to dig into a little bit. The difference between console gamers and mobile gamers. I think of, if you said, are you a gamer? My answer would be no. But I have Bubble Shooter and a bunch of kids games on my iPhone and my iPad. And I generally play them when I'm on an airplane, which hasn't been too often. So yeah, sure. I've paid for games. I've even paid for upgrades, spend a dollar to beat this level or whatever mechanism there was to monetize the games. How do you think of the profile of the people who are console gamers, who are, let's call them casual mobile gamers? And are those the really only two segments you think about in the gaming industry? If you take the word gaming and what does that mean, and especially for a marketer or a media buyer, I usually break it down between watching games and playing games. So watching games would be esports and content creators, influencers, Twitch, that type of a thing. But for the purpose of this conversation, we're talking about people that actually are playing the game. So that's console and mobile, right? So if you look at the playing segment of games, there's console, PC, and mobile. And what's so interesting is that mobile makes up over half of the revenue in those categories. So I'm not giving you like a stock forecast here, but it's roughly, let's say, 25% console, 25% PC, and 50% mobile. Mm -hmm. So mobile, like a lot of people are surprised that mobile is the biggest money generating segment there is in the ecosystem. So in terms of the profile of the gamer, casual versus hardcore, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I was at EA for five years, like 2000 to 2005. And then I took a little detour to Yahoo and BuzzFeed. And then I came back to gaming eight and a half years ago here at Zynga. So I've been selling casual games for a long time. And even when I was at EA, it was pre-mobile. Back then it was web games. So there was console and web games. And like they were called casual then too. And I've always felt that there's nothing casual about a casual gamer insofar as they play for hours and hours and hours. And the dedication to their games is really significant. So I think that the common difference between the hardcore gamer and the casual gamer really is defined by the quality of the game. So certain console games like Grand Theft Auto or NBA 2K, you're perfecting your skills. It takes a really long time to get like really good at it and you're learning more and there's a lot of layers to it. Whereas casual games maybe are a little simpler to figure out. And then at some point, we'll talk about hyper-casual, which is even simpler. But to go inside, hop in words of friends, you figure it out relatively quickly what the gameplay is, whereas it might take you longer on some console games. But there's nothing casual about casual gaming. So talk to me about segmentation. I hear some of the games you're talking about, Grand Theft Auto. I think of sitting in my college dorm, drinking beers before the party started. We were playing Grand Theft Auto. And we were playing Tiger Woods Golf to date and age myself. Those were kind of my last era of console games or when they were around me was sort of my college experience forever and a year ago. 
I think of those games being one sort of segment. I'm sure that Fortnite probably has a different profile. Words with Friends has a different one. In the gaming industry, do you think about Wordle or Words with Friends or, hey, games made for my mom, Word games, NBA 2K, games made for jocks? I'm sure that there are different profiles. How do you think about the segmentation within the gaming industry? Well, there's a lot of overlap and a lot more overlap than you would think. So a lot of people that are playing mobile games are also playing casual games, but there are some differences. So broadly speaking, you know, sometimes I liken it to cable TV, like you have Bravo and then you have ESPN. So it's like, obviously Bravo skews female besides like all the partners and boyfriends being forced to watch it in the living room like mine. Anyway, I'm digressing. And then ESPN, which is like broadly more male, but I'll still watch it when my partner's watching it. Regardless, point being that on the whole, mobile gaming does skew female. And on the whole, console gaming does skew male. But those are super big stereotypes. And we have plenty of games that are predominantly male. So we have a car racing game called CSR. CSR 2 is the current iteration. It's like very aspirational, Bugattis, Ferraris, like super rare cars. It's gorgeous. It's vast majority male. And that's a mobile game, you know, and then you have a game like Farmville, which is definitely skews more female. And, you know, is like that kind of older millennial female mom playing. So there's a game for everyone. And like I said, the overlap, a lot of mobile gamers also own console games. So mobile games are actually a great platform for console game companies to advertise in, even though I don't think they're doing a ton of that currently. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So you're segmenting by gender. You mentioned that there's an egg segmentation. I'm sure that there's kids games and all the way up to advanced games, or I don't know if there's senior games, but maybe there is. 
Are there any other sort of ways that you're segmenting? Are there games that are specifically for different parts of the country? Do you see NASCAR games? I'm going to piss somebody off here, but NASCAR games being popular in the South. Are there games where you're thinking about geographies or any other types of segmentation? I think that's more important to marketers than it is to game developers. You know, one thing that I love about working for a game publisher is that we just want people to play our games. So we don't really care if you're young and old, female or male, where you live. We just want you to play and we want you to enjoy it and we want you to play often and be super engaged. But definitely there are games that absolutely have different segments. So speaking from our suite of games, for example, Words with Friends, it's a word game. It does skew 45 plus. It skews a little bit more on the female side. And then you have a game like High Heels or Fill the Fridge, which comes from our hyper casual game suite from a studio we acquired a couple of years ago called Rollick. And those games are highly diverse. They tend to be younger, Gen Z, millennial. There tends to be a lot of diversity, Hispanic, Black. So absolutely. And then we can even tell in some of our games, just overall general segments. Are they likely to buy a house in the next year? Are they likely to buy a car? Do they prefer e-commerce over going to retail? And a lot of that information we have from partners. So you can go pretty deep in terms of finding games that have the audience you want. And I think that that contextual targeting is more and more important with identifiers and privacy laws becoming so big that finding the right audience in terms of who's playing rather than maybe targeting really finite audiences, for example, on like Facebook. I guess the last question I have for you is we think about the mobile gaming and advertising industry. Who are the players not only in mobile gaming, obviously Zenga, you mentioned EA, a a dominant player as well. And who are the players in the advertising space? There are tens of thousands of games released on the app stores quarterly. So there are so many small little publishers out there. And the big guys are, of course, Zynga, which is the mobile studio for Take-Two, Electronic Arts, Activision Blizzard, Gameloft. I could be missing somebody. Isn't there a Ubisoft? Sure. Some of them are stronger on console or PC than they are on mobile. Mm -hmm. But all of the ones I mentioned are pretty strong on mobile. And that's our discussion today. And for brands, I think it's really good to go with one of these partners because, like I said, there's so many apps being put on the App Store all of the time that we tend to have great quality games, pretty sophisticated ad stack, and a pretty good offering for brands. On the advertising, in the ecosystem of games, there's so many different players, of course. So beyond the publishers that I just mentioned... There's also SSPs, Iron Source, and Moby that are serving the gaming market, Fan, Facebook Audience Network, App Lovin. You know, they really focus on advertising for mobile games inside of other mobile games. And then there's other players in the ecosystem like Bidstack, Anzu, Frameplay. And they're doing a lot of these automated kind of billboards. I think they call them intrinsic ads inside of games. So There's many different players within mobile gaming and gaming in general that partner with marketers. 
I think of the gaming industry as being something, and you mentioned this, it's part of entertainment. And so I think of the way that it's fragmented and sort of the ad stack being very similar to how we think about OTT. There's potentially endless number of content creators, right? And they can upload their content into places like YouTube where they're aggregated. They can work with networks and studios. But then you get things like television shows and these larger companies that are kind of formalizing how they bring games to market. They've got their own marketing and cross-promotion program as well. And then there's this whole other part of the ecosystem, which is advertising all of your ad networks, all of your programmatic supply side. This industry, while it's fascinating, also kind of follows the template for what we see across entertainment. And so I'm interested to continue the conversation, talk a little bit more about media consumption and also how marketers can take advantage of the space. So let's cover that in tomorrow's episode. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Gabrielle Heyman, the head of global brand partnerships at Zenga for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Gabrielle and I are going to examine why mobile is the first screen. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Gabrielle, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Gab Heyman. That's G-A-B-H-E-Y-M-A-N. Or you could visit her company's website. For marketers, it's ZyngaAds.com, Z-Y-N-G-A-A-D-S.com. Of course, you can always go to Zynga.com if you're into gaming. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.